Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Ricky, and with me is James. Usually Bill and Brandon are here, but they are absent today. We're a couple disabled guys passionate about gaming and accessibility, and together, we are Wheel Life Problems. All right, how's it going today, James? Uh, not too bad, not too bad, yeah. We're just, just a, a duo force today. We're missing two of our seats. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure what's happened to Brandon, but... um. You know our our other chap, <laughs> Bill or Brandon. Yeah, yeah just, it's, it's just life stuff is happening, so we're we're down to a, a duo this week, which yeah. is a shame. <laughs> we can do this on our own. Uh, so for those of you listening, um, although we have two absent seats, we still want to put something out there just for you guys, just to make sure um, we are putting out content, and so you can hear our lovely voices over and over again. We. Bi-weekly, bi-bi-bi-bi-weekly. <laughs> yeah, it just means that you'll get twice as much of us <laughs> this week. Yeah, this yeah. it's all right. We're the, we're the best part of the of the of the crew, anyways, right? We have the most. Uh, our voices are soothing, and I can't think of any other adjectives. Yeah, it's it's, it's the 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 soft dulcet tones of my um, rich Scottish accent, and <laughs> and your voice. Your voice too. Yeah. <laughs> I got one too. Yeah, sweet. Yes. All right. Cool. So what's been going on with you uh, since last recording? Anything exciting? Uh, not not really. Um, I've been dipping a lot into some of the games that I've had installed on my PlayStation 4 for, you know, years and years, but haven't actually bothered to play just because other things have sort of gotten in the way of them. So tried a game called Transistor, which is... It was made by the stu- a studio that made also um, Bastion, and I think went on to make Pyre. They're called um, Super Giant Games, I believe. And it's, what kind of games are they? <clears throat> they're very um, well. The genres tend to change, change about a bit. But you know, um, Bastion and the one that I'm play- I played recently, Transistor, are both like isometric view, like action games, but more. Um, the one that I've played, uh, Transistor, is a bit more strategy-like, but they're both very art-heavy, you know, really fantastic art and great audio and things, and I, w- I really wanted to like Transistor, but it turns out, like, you know, the, the the style of the game, really something that I absolutely love, but I just don't actually like the game part of it as much as I really, as much as I want to. I'm just bouncing off of it quite hard, so I'm a bit disappointed. What part of it is it that you don't like about it? Is it the, the gameplay, the story, the... Um it's mm, yeah I just don't like the way that it's how to describe it you you move your character around with the left stick and you've got various abilities that you can use to fight the the, the they're not random battles but the you'll be moving through the environment and a barrier will appear around your character and then the enemies will spawn in and you fight them and I find it just a little bit too hard to to get through and I can't change the difficulty level midway through the save through the game, so I'm probably either going to have to restart it, which actually I'm considering doing because I do want to push through to the end of it, and I'm not actually that far through it, I think. But it's just, it's sort of, it annoys me when things like that happen where I just get like utterly stuck and have to restart something. Um, right. So when you say it's a, it's, a, it's a strategy game, do you mean like in a, is it like a RTS strategy game? Kind of like how, um, uh, what am I thinking of, like Warcraft and Starcraft are, where you're over. You have the overview, and you really have to think on your feet as like as enemies come towards you, or um, is it more of like, 
or are you, like are you controlling an army or are you controlling a character you're yeah you're a single character called red and you have a, a big sword which i think is the transistor or just transistor and the the strategy element comes from the abilities that you choose to equip um, prior to each battle so you may have what an ability that makes you invisible for a short period of time or an ability that shoots a bolt which does like an area of effect damage to enemies in that region and you can equip like various like upgrades and augments onto those abilities as well to change how they work and things but you're only allowed a certain amount of points to spend on abilities and upgrades for them so you have to sort of choose carefully how you want to spend your resources but I'm just not finding that part of it to be I find that more frustrating the limitations and the the actual sort of gameplay of it the battling in it I don't find that enjoyable so I just kind of want to put it to an easier difficulty level so that I can just you know, sort of brute force my way through the battles without really having to to do the the thinking part of it, just so that I can yeah. see the story, see it through because it's a really nice looking game with really like fantastic music and it maybe helps that it's kind of in a genre of music that I like. So the way you're describing this game, it makes me feel like it's one of those games that would be really enjoyable to watch someone else play that knows what they're doing. Yeah, and that I was thinking about doing that to see if I could find like maybe a Twitch streamer. I mean, it's quite old, so there maybe aren't many people uh, streaming it anymore, uh, or maybe just like some YouTube videos that would really just like show me how to actually play the game better, so that maybe I don't need to restart my save and go through all that again. Right. It's just frustrating, you know. That was just there were a few other games that I tried and have since like deleted, but. You know, that was that's the one that sort of pickled me the most because it was on so many ways right the exactly the sort of game I would like to play. And then just on this on the game part of it, just more frustrating than anything else. Yeah, that's understandable. I feel mm. like that's like a really good selling point of a game. Or like you know a game is good when you it's both enjoyable for the player and for a viewer too. Because like if you're saying like this game is beautiful to look at and the story and things, but like annoying to play um, it's not as fun, but like I've come across games that I've like just enjoyed watching like my brother or a friend play, and they enjoy playing it. And it ends up like, like I, I know games like aren't meant, maybe they are meant to be like viewed by a, an outside observer and things. But when you can find a game that does that, it's like it appeals to me so much more because then it makes I don't yeah I don't I really I really don't know how what I'm trying to say but except for you know sometimes I like watching a game and if it's a good enough game that the player likes playing it too and I can watch then like bonus I guess yeah yeah like one of the things that sort of got me into watching gameplay um was the games games done quick streams where people play through games that you know start to finish within you know they try and set the record for how fast can you can you complete this game in a lot of cases, I tend to sort of, um, I tend to sort of prefer to watch games that I've played through personally, and then just be wowed by the speed at which people rattle through them. Yeah, so you kind of feel like shit while you're watching it too. Like, damn, I had no idea I could have done it like that. Or, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, so something like um, case in point, something like uh, Super Metroid on the Super Nintendo, which is Ooh, it's one game. of my maybe like it's top two depending on you know what side of bed I get out of that day um, of my sort of favourite games of all time and 
I played through it recently again, and with like you know uh, checking YouTube videos and things to see if you know how do I get these items that I can't you know like little like upgrades that I couldn't figure out how to get to, and even then I got to the end of it seventy five percent. I was like, how the heck did I miss one quarter of all the items in that game? So I ended up watching a one hundred percent items full playthrough speed run, and it's just the the rate that they go through it and all the little little tips and tricks that they use to 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 get through these games faster than faster than any normal person I suppose would would think of or would would bother doing so like in the case of Super Metroid when you're running if you just like press the L and R triggers on the SNES pad to waggle your gun up and down as you're mm-hmm. running it moves you forward like one frame at a time or like one pixel at a time faster than you would do otherwise <laughs> so it gives you just that tiny little bit of boost that adds up in the end yeah, like at the end of the game that you may have completed the game like maybe 10, 20, 30 seconds faster, but the margins are so tight that that makes, that might be the difference between a world record run. You know, so it's, it's that's, that's, um, <clears throat> when it comes to watching games, that's how I kind of got started in it, you know, um, watching gameplay footage. Yeah, it's like, I totally agree with you now that you're saying that. It's like, it is kind of like a, a marvel to behold when you see people that have like studied games to a T. That they can figure out tiny glitches just like that, of you know, be able to get you microseconds that add up, add up to seconds in the long run and such. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I just don't know how any single pair, how anyone could sit and play a game though for that long. It's the 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 mentality to decide right. I'm going to play, say, Super Metroid, and I'm going to play nothing but that game, and I'm going to learn all the tricks, and I'm going to get it so that I can complete it in a world record time. I just don't understand it <laughs> no yeah it's like there's a lot of things you can in life that you can pick it to be good at but to pick being good at one speed run at one game is kind of a f- pretty hard to wrap your brain around because you're like you know there's a lot of other good games out there too you could probably dedicate yourself to but you know or you can i don't know i know what you mean it's just like so yeah. you're really 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 good at just this one thing you're like yeah Alright, cool. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can kind of see if it's like, you know, if it's a game like, like I mean, Super Metroid is a, is a really popular Super Nintendo game, or if you're completing a game with uh, completing a game like, say, like one of the Dark Souls games in a record time, where like these games both have like big communities of players that are dedicated to them and things like that, but when you find, when you watch one of these games done quick videos, one of these speedruns where they're, they're completing like Maybe the third Turtles game that came out on the original Game Boy, or something like. Who, who, why was why did they choose that game? You <laughs> yeah, know why that game? Yeah, like what community is built up around like Turtles for Shredder's back or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, like I just I guess it's all about the uh, self fulfillment. I guess you know. Yeah, I think at a certain level, like maybe speedrunners just like tackling everything you know it's not so much a dedication to a specific game but just the the art of it the 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 craft of speed running yeah i imagine the thinking process is like let's see which game can i get a handle on the quickest as i go Mm. through them like you know yeah it's like oh i just tried out these 10 games and it's this game that i that i guess my body was built for that i can handle the quickest and then it just so happens to be turtles 3 or you know yeah yeah like battletoads 6 or whatever. You know, is there? Uh, there's. There's no way. There's six battle toads. Is there? 
see I didn't think there was but recently I sort of for one reason or another have been looking through like lists of games that have come out on like various old systems and I don't think there's necessarily like an, a Battletoads 6 but there are like you know crossovers with Double Dragon and like arcade versions and stuff like that so like there are a lot of Battletoads games out there huh yeah well that's news to me yeah, I think recently they they put a Battletoads uh, character, well, one of the one of the Battletoads into the the Killer Instinct game on the Xbox One as well, which was huh. I, I mean I wouldn't say necessarily a weird pick because I think Battletoads was fairly massive in America, even though it wasn't that great a game. Um, yeah, I remember it being uh, on Sega, I believe. Yeah, there would have been. I think there was a, a Mega Drive. Or I don't know if there's a Master System Battletoads game, but I think they eventually came out on like most systems. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I don't know how you feel about this how about this game. This I think this is the game I've been playing most recently a bunch of lately is chess. So mm. not not like the big picturesque games we're usually here talking about and you know, or big companies and things, but just chess, you know the the smart man's game. I guess they they call it. Or well, yeah, yeah, it's chess is not a game that I've ever been able to get any good at. I just don't think I have a mind for thinking more than like maybe two steps ahead. Yeah, but, that's the problem. Is you have to learn how to see into the future somehow and be like, all right, if this if A leads to B, then B leads to C, then I can definitely pull off D. But I always get like if A leads to B. And then I get stuck there. I'm like, oh, okay, I got nothing else to do. And then I just get totally destroyed. And yeah, just the whole thinking of head, like you can see why, like it, it makes you appreciate when you see a really good chess player, you can, you can really appreciate like, oh, wow, they're all, they really are thinking that far ahead. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because you think of all the possible combinations of moves that you have and, the, all the various outcomes and what you're trying to and on the one hand you're trying to sort of um, reach like a, a specific set of conditions you know you're trying to get checkmate but to, to do that you want to you want to have your pieces in certain places and your opponent's pieces in certain places so you're trying to sort of figure out all of the different possible combinations of moves to get there and then at the same time maybe not like show your hand to your opponent by making like maybe obvious moves, trying to yeah, lure like, them. Yeah, yeah so exactly. it's, that's all. That's so like, it's hard. There's so many different playing styles too. You can be like a really offensive, aggressive kind of person where you just like throw out your pawns and just start like taking over any piece that comes out. Or you can be super defensive and do like kingside or queenside castling techniques and just really protect yourself until like you let you know like let the person come to you and be like, all right, now I'll do my my offense stuff. There's, I don't know, for such a an old and simple game, it's like it's weird how it's become timeless and even still fun to play, even this, despite, you know, we have like games with immense stories and colors and pictures and stuff, you know, there's still there's still an appeal to just like a couple pieces on a checkered board. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's one of these games where like you take people that maybe play a lot of like um that play a lot of computer games, uh, a lot of video games, and you sort of put a chess board in front of them and there's a, there's an intimidation factor to playing chess because it really is like a it's 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 a, it's a, a very bare test of 
like right okay so you think you can play games you think you can do strategy you think you can outthink your opponent well let's play chess <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say something else um, let's see how you do it's and I always lose at chess so maybe it's just me that's intimidated by it so the way I've been playing I've been using the app chess time and I play against like two or three people at a time and I have my one friend who me and him are pretty square like I beat him he beats me sometimes but then there's two friends I have that I can never fucking beat ever no matter how hard how hard I try and I've looked up like starting techniques and stuff but for some reason they're always able to get the upper hand on me and just somehow sneak behind me in like some moves and I'm like how the hell did you take my queen or my rook in that move without me even noticing? And just like, ugh. And it just makes you feel really stupid if you're like if you playing up against someone who's really good. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It just it, it leaves you feeling like you're, you're, you're a level Barrier. below some people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're less than. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll just make... I'm sure there's a game out there that you would um, maybe not chess but something where you'd be able to, to really sort of tank them instead I'm not yeah, sure we'll see chess maybe, is pretty, uh, pretty raw maybe shoots and ladders or Candyland. maybe I can kick someone's ass in that <laughs> one game that I got into quite a lot and it came when um, this is going to turn into a board game podcast I'm telling you um, <laughs> the original um, Monopoly which yeah. I got a version of that for the iPad and um, I would just sit and, sat and played it with my partner and because it forces you to play, well it doesn't force you to but it encourages you to play with the proper the proper rules you know where like if you land on a property and nobody want, and you don't want to buy it then it has to go to auction and yeah. I don't think many people play that way but when you play with the when you play with the auction rules when you play it with the rules that you're supposed to play it with then the game can go actually quite quickly. Really? Yeah, I think Monopoly has a, a reputation for being a game that takes like four hours to finish for some reason. But I think it's because people don't play with this auction, with the, the auctioning of properties. So it takes ages to actually buy up all the properties. And then yeah, people start. Yeah, because that's the way I've always <clears> done it is land on a property and you're like, ah, I don't feel like buying it and you move on. Yeah, yeah. But really, like, if that goes to auction, then it has to be bought. And somebody might want to buy it for. They might end up getting it for a lot less than it's supposed to be bought for. And then another sort of common house rule with Monopoly that people do is, like, if you land on say like income tax or you know one of the others. I think I don't know if it's income tax on the American version, but it will be something similar. Um, it's you know between. I was going to say between Mayfair and Park Lane, but I'm sure that the American version has its own, um, like locations as well, so it won't have like. Oxford Street or Old Kent Road and things like that like the UK version has but when people land on these like taxis and things like that they'll maybe set it aside so that if someone lands on free parking they just pick up all the money and that keeps a lot of money in the the system between the players when really what you want to be doing is selling off all the properties as soon as possible getting everybody owning all the properties and making sure that whenever they have to pay taxes that, that money just goes straight back into the bank because then it makes makes people poorer and forces people out of the game huh. but people's common house rules end up so that the properties just end up sitting unbought for ages 
and everybody ends up with plenty of money because it never gets taken out of the out of the system. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Sounds like I need to replay Monopoly and, you know, unbury some hidden aggression from, with my friends. <laughs> yeah, there's, there, there are some tricks to Monopoly. Like, I think it, it's a lot of it comes down to statistics, you know, like which properties are more likely to be landed on. So things like, um, like the last two properties before you pass go are the most expensive, but there's a really low chance that you'll land on them because there's only two Whereas if you like buy up all the railway stations that are sort of in the centre at either edge of, of the board, there's four of those. And if you can get four of them, and maybe people don't value them that highly because they're just like they're just the train stations, you know, that you don't get that much from them. But if you get all four of them, then you get two hundred pounds or dollars or whatever it is, whenever anybody lands on them. And there's because there are four, there's a high chance that that will happen. So that they're a good source of income. And far more reliable than the really expensive, really appealing properties. Uh, I'm kind of rambling, but basically, yeah, a lot <laughs> of it comes to just like, you know, look at the chances of what people will land on and try and, you know, a lot of it's kind of obvious, but. Sounds like we should find a way to get a, once our other two here, here are back to join us, we should just get a game of Monopoly going, see how <laughs> that would go out. That'd be pretty cool. That'd maybe be an interesting thing to stream. If we yeah. could get a, a a streamable version of Monopoly, I suppose a streamable version of Monopoly would just be somebody streaming a ver like maybe ho- if there's an online version of Monopoly, there must be an online version of Monopoly, and just Dude, there's, yeah, there's there's got to be yeah, we'll see. Well, moving on before we get too stuck on Monopoly, uh, you also mentioned something about Mortal Kombat 11 like coming out before we start recording, saying um, or something you liked about it was the uh, the audible menu. Yeah, right. It's, that's um, like Mortal Kombat 11 came out recently. Um, I don't know the day, maybe about a week, a couple of weeks ago. Mortal Kombat has always been, well, the NetherRealm Studios games have always been quite accessible to blind and visually impaired gamers because of just the stereo separation and things like that. They're, they've been made some smart decisions with the audio of the game, so like blind players can identify where they are in the in the level and you know if there are near and in, near interactable objects and things like that but one of the problems that blind players often have with games is that <clears throat> the menus in games typically don't have like voiceover for the the different options that you're selecting Mortal Kombat 11 it does so I don't think it's on by default but if you can find it in the accessibility options I've actually not seen the options menus because it's my partner that's been playing Mortal Kombat recently. So I've been hearing her going through the menus as it says, like, you know, story mode or towers or whatever it is it says. But it, it reads out the menu options to you, which is really cool. I like, I like how, uh, how, uh, oh, damn it, I lost train of thought. You reenacted the voice really well. Story mode. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's because I've been hearing it so often. It's just going like, Johnny Cage and things. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. It looks pretty good, but, um, you know, the the game itself, there's there's other issues with the game that I've, I'm finding quite off-putting, but I'm really pleased to see that option in it of the of the, the accessible, more accessible menus. What's one of the issues that you've had with it? Ah, well, it's one of these games where, you know, if you're not playing it online, then you can't, like progress through certain modes or you don't get access to certain modes 
So just 15 minutes or so before I came on to record, my partner was playing it and the the servers, the Mortal Kombat 11 servers went down and she got kicked out of the game mode that she was playing. She went to try it in a, try a different game mode and then it said something like, oh, you'll not get any progress from this and then your save data is corrupted and you might have lost all your stuff and things like that. Just the sort of like error messages that you would get flagged up if you were playing, trying to play a game that should be played online but you know, server issues were preventing it. She thought she'd lost all of her progress, all of the sort of all of the unlocks that she'd got and things like that. And it turned out the servers came back up and she hadn't. But for that window of time there, it was like sort of a little Your bit heart worrying. Just sinks. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's being frustrating. There's there's other little issues with it regarding like, you know, if she unlocks costumes and we're playing in two player, I can't use any of the unlocked costumes that she's got. I have to use all of all of the default stuff because of like online profiles and things like that. It's it's kind of annoying. It plays right. well enough. It plays like a decent Mortal Kombat game. If you liked Mortal Kombat, then it'd be a good one to get. And I've seen a lot of like blind and visually impaired people playing it, like talking about it online, seem to be enjoying it well enough. But there are like, those little niggles have been kind of putting me off a little bit. Yeah. yeah, once I finally have an ability or have a way where I can uh, um, be able to play games like that, Mortal Kombat is definitely one of the ones I want to try. But as, as I've mentioned um, before, maybe some new listeners don't know right now, but like, you know, I'm a quadriplegic, so my hands don't really work. So there's a box that's being worked on by the Able Gamers Charity that they're supposed to be getting to me at some point where I'll finally be able to play some console games and stuff. But until then, it's just me waiting around twirling my thumbs just talking about the games hmm. Mortal Kombat is definitely one of the ones I want to try out when it, once I can because yeah gr- I loved playing Mortal Kombat growing up really yeah cool. yeah I, I never used to like Mortal Kombat I was always for some reason I got sucked into the the, the, the old games magazine like Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter thing I was very uh-huh. much a Street Fighter guy and then like Mortal Kombat 9 came out and I thought, oh, actually, this one's quite good. And that was that was me. I was actually kind of liked Mortal Kombat again. But up until that point, I was just like, oh, this game plays so bad. Mortal Kombat games are always so terrible. No, it's good. Well, that's when Netherrealm took over them, right? Was around Mortal Kombat Nine? Was it eight? It was, yeah, yeah. Midway closed, and Netherrealms sort of uh, studios formed and took up the took up the development duties. But actually, I think that. Um, I think the Netherrealms is made up of mostly like midway old midway staff and things, so there's not a, it's not a big change in the developers. I don't think, but just a a facelift, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I think because at the time they were picked up by Warner Brothers, I think it was bought the Mortal Kombat franchise, so they probably got a bit more like they probably had a bit more like funding and things like that to to do something different, maybe. Oh yeah. Okay, I get what you're getting at. Yeah, you know, they're they've got a bit more sort of financial backing from a big a big corporation. Whereas like right. Midway was always like you know, seemed a little bit like I don't know. I was never a big fan of Midway games so it's just <laughs> Well what other games do they have other than Mortal Kombat? That's that's where I'm drawing a blank. Uh ooh, NBA Jam is probably oh. the, the other one. The big one. Gotcha, okay. I never I never got into the NBA games, so that one's totally 
No, over like, my head. Like over here, NBA stuff is doesn't really, doesn't usually do that well. I mean, I, I, that not, makes sense. You know, there's no NBA over there in yeah. Europe. Although there was briefly um, American football over here. There was uh, there were like European teams playing in the European like NFL Europe League, which was oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I went to see them one time. Um, the, the Scottish Claymores, it was. For some reason, like, I think, like, uh, a lot of European cities had teams, but the whole of Scotland was just a team. Which, huh. you know, they could have had, like, Glasgow or Edinburgh or something like that, but now they just decided Scottish. Which was a, a kind of crappy. <laughs> but we went, yeah, I went to see them one time. And it was really good. I, I do like American football a fair bit. My sport's hockey, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean that's pretty interesting, but as far as like football goes and stuff, it it can't hold my attention. But yeah, I had no idea that they tried an NFL league over in, in Europe. Yeah, it's gone now, I think. But yeah, they they did try and push it. It was I did uh, I did like it when it was here, but it's no longer with us. I do yeah, like. It seems like something that's hard to sustain. I always quite liked hockey games. You know, saying you're a hockey guy. Yep, and if there's any Cap fans out there listening right now, they're probably just as bummed as I am that they're out of the playoffs. Oh. But, yeah. Yep, I love hockey. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a fast-paced sport, and it's it's aggressive, and there's, like, so much more, like, I get honor, maybe I want to say in it, because, you know, like, football, you know, they get, like, a one-off trophy every time they win the Super Bowl every year. But, you know, for hockey, at least in the NHL, you know, they have the Stanley Cup, which is just, like, you get to hold the trophy that every every other winner has had, and then you get to put your name on it, which makes it kind of more of like a, a I don't know, cooler trophy in my mind. Just knowing that like, it's not just a one off. It's it's like a it's a legacy, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're part of uh, the the history of the Stanley Cup. You know, yeah. your team is is now part of the long line of great teams that have won that trophy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like hockey. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's not much of not much of a video game, but it's a game, I guess. It's in some someone want to call it that. No, I mean it's like I don't know if the hockey games that are out just now are anything really to shout about because I've not, from what I've heard, they're kind of like middle of the road. You know, they're they're yeah. maybe fine, but nothing special. But I have loved some hockey games in the past. You know, um, me and my friends really got into um, NHL hits back on the original Xbox. Right, that was, that was a big one for us. I think because you could play like th- it was like three on three hockey. It was very arcadey, so huh. you know yeah, you I could. Remember that one. I remember like Wayne Gretzky's hockey, which I mm. think ended up turning into the NHL games. But there was one for Sega that was just like it was uh just over the head, very, very uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like sort of top down and um, top to bottom. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Was, but. Very stripped game, you know, just... But I remember that. I remember loving that game. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd... I don't know if I played... I played that... Uh, I think it was something... I think it may have been that, the, the Mega CD version of that one. And I decided that when I was playing that, like, the Pittsburgh Penguins are my team. Probably because they oh, were maybe... God. They might have no. been just, like, a really good team in it. Like, maybe, like, really high stats. And me being, like... I want to play the best team. Decided oh, that's that, the like, worst team you could have picked as being a Caps fan. The, the Caps and Pittsburgh Penguins have like the ultimate rivalry, man. 
Oh well, like I've no deep, <laughs> I've no deep allegiance to the Penguins, you know. But I do remember it was like, was it like Mario Lemieux? Is was that was he? Is, is that? Am I thinking of? Is he a race driver or or, or am I I'm thinking very, Gretzky? Very bad with the name. It might be Gretzky and some player Jaeger, Jaeger, Jeremy uh, Jaeger. Yeah, I remember Jaeger. Yeah, he played for the Caps at one point. I think he did play yeah. for Pittsburgh. So I remember. I think because uh, yeah, so because at the time I was I was a bit sports daft, so I was playing anything sports. So my, I mean, all my friends were into like whatever sports computer games we could play. But yeah, yeah, God, NHL '95 on the Mega CD that would have been. Now I think about it. <laughs> Good old uh, walk down memory lane. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think on that point, I think um, maybe one last thing I, I kind of wanted to touch up on again before we end up calling it wraps on the show was uh, we were talking about this before we even started recording. But maybe the listeners might want to hear this too. Is like, what do you enjoy about podcasting? Because I thought that was kind of interesting. The avenues we were going down. And I think it'd be interesting to reiterate it, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Um, podcasting for me, it's not something that I ever really saw myself doing at all. Largely because, like, maybe around about three or four years ago, after I'd completed my sort of postgraduate studies and things like that, I kind of fell into a, a rut. Didn't really have much confidence in myself to to like apply for apply for jobs anywhere or you know, I didn't see myself as being particularly employable and I kind of just like so I told myself that I'll just develop games at home and things but really it was uh, a total lack of confidence so like podcasting is something that I really enjoy because for me it's like you know just a chance to get out and actually talk to talk to people I say get out and talk to people, but to do stuff like this, to actually have conversations about games with people, about in a in an area that I really enjoy talking about, you know, sort of video game accessibility and stuff like that, and right. just you know, sort of show myself like it feels to me like a like a bit of an achievement, like I'm actually doing something <laughs> that I never really thought I'd be able to do. So you know, that's 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 something for me at least. Yeah, I just. I like, uh, of course, I'm repeating myself again to you, but maybe not to the our listeners. But the thing I like about podcasting for me is it makes me think quick on my feet, you know. And I also, um, I like to ask questions, and I like to earn, I like to learn about new things. So that forces me to forces me to use that skill, you know. Be like, all right, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And then you you gain you can gain a whole new perspective on something that you didn't know about, and it's just fun also just kind of being able to share your opinion and see how it's accepted out there and just knowing uh, I mean, maybe this is like a grim way of looking at it but you know you also have to be a man of your word when you're, when you're doing a podcast uh, because what you're saying is being recorded and I guess in a sense it makes me feel like accountable for myself if that makes sense. Oh no totally yeah I yeah. mean like when I'm on here, I mean, obviously you've got some, I've got basic concerns about, and it's really kind of, I kind of need to watch what I say. Um, like I can't just start uh, spouting off um, libelous or slanderous. I don't know which one it would be if it's a recorded audio podcast. But, you know, I can't go saying anything that's maybe, that's 
that's too contra- not too controversial, but that would get me in trouble. Not that right. I have necessarily any especially controversial views on anything, <laughs> but um, you know, I think the the most sort of controversial views I have are like sort of like oh, I think the third Batman Arkham game was the best one that wasn't made by Rocksteady Games. Oh, <laughs> whoa, controversial there. Yeah, Never. yeah, unpopular opinion. Don't care. Yeah. Come at me, internet. But um, <laughs> that's the sort of thing I shouldn't see on a podcast because people will at me <laughs> on Twitter. Show up your door with pitchforks. Be like, no, Arkham City was the best one. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, Did you hear what James said on real life problems? Let's get him. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, yeah, it sort of forces me to sort of think about like, okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? And how is it going to be received? You know, make sure that uh, makes me sort of think about you know how I present myself publicly and just the language that I use. But you know, to another thing, to another point you made as well about the the learning about you know diff- all sorts of different things. There's when I started um, doing accessibility based sort of projects around like sight loss and things. I did want to do sort of more broad accessibility stuff but you know it's I can only really speak to my experience of having a visual impairment so I can't even really sort of talk to the experience of speak to the experience of people who are um, you know what's the phrase (laughs) Uh, sort of Uh, fully blind or you know things like that you know I I can only I only represent like a a fairly narrow view of visual of even visual impairment so there's people out there with far worse sight than me who who maybe have little or no sight at all, who, you know, can't play or would have a lot of difficulty playing the games that I would play. So it's doing the the podcast and sort of forces me to 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 have to do a lot more sort of research and reading and sort of think about how I can talk about or right, learn more yeah. about like all the different aspects of accessibility and how disabled people play games. Right. Yeah, I totally get what you're getting at. Yeah, it just gives you, I guess, kind of like what I was saying earlier, just a new perspective to kind of touch upon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as well as that, I'm the sort of person who, like, I'll probably never um, finish a project or learn anything about anything unless there's somebody poking me in the back to do it. <laughs> so right. this is a, this podcast is a good, um, a good incentive, a good sort of, Good um, poke in the back. A good poke in the back to like, okay, so so you think you want to do stuff with accessibility, but you actually have to do it now because you're on a podcast, and if you don't know what you're talking about, then people will call you. They'll out call on you it. on your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I'd be the first to admit that there's like so many things that I know nothing about, but if I'm coming onto this podcast, I do actually need to do a little bit of research on some of the topics at hand, and that's good to have that that stick behind me you know there, there's carrots you know the old carrot and stick metaphor you know that <laughs> um there's things yeah, about podcasting that I, I benefit from you know it, it gets me out there and it makes me uh, probably will um lead to more sort of contact with other people interested in game accessibility and things like that and that's what i'm hoping for as well but you know it's yeah. It's good. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And like I, I started podcasting not on this podcast, but my uh, 
uh, podcast that I did um, before, Burr Pod, which I'm still trying to get back up off the ground. Um, but that at first I was super nervous about it. I was like, who the fuck wants to hear what I have to say? But then when, when you put your voice out there and then you hear someone say like, oh, I like what you did. It's like, oh, wow, that, okay, that actually feels kind of good. And so it's a, it's a nice form of validation, a nice way to just, you know, have yourself heard if someone wants to hear you. You know, it's like I'm not throwing it in someone's face like you have to listen to this. If you want to listen to it, you can listen. And if you like it, you like it. And it's just kind of like a cool world to just to be in, you know. And I just I enjoy it. And it's being behind a microphone. There's just something nice about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, uh, that, I would say that goes for just about like any like creative project or anything like that, because what you're saying there sort of reminds me a lot of when I started off doing the audio game jam god like three years ago I was so nervous about doing the first one because I was I was really worried that like I'm going to start this project and either like no one's going to contribute to it or people are going to think it's terrible or someone will go like oh this has already been done or like no one's going to make games game jam games that are playable by blind people it's such a bad idea or you know there's all sorts of like worries that you have when eventually I actually did it it was completely the opposite you know it was nothing but um, sort of positive feedback and there were so many people that were enthusiastic about the idea and it, it totally like, sort of changed my mindset on like what I can and can't achieve and that's that's something I would say to just like basically anybody out there listening that has maybe an idea for something they'd like to do creatively or, you know, not even in games, not even in accessibility, just whatever you want to do, just not to not to worry too much about the, the feedback that you receive or what people will think about it, just just go for it, put it out there, because worst... Give it a shot. Yeah, like, worst case scenario, you know, worst case scenario, no one listens to it. Yeah. Best case scenario, everyone listens to it. There's yeah. really very little to lose from going for it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you entirely. But yeah, so that's, uh, I guess that, you know, sums up why we're enjoying doing the wheel life problems right now. And hopefully those of you listening enjoy what we're putting out for you and why we wanted to make sure we still put something out for you today, even though you just got the, just us dynamic new duo minus our other, our other two, but yeah, yeah. but push on through, right? Yeah. So it's the sort of podcast you have to do when, you know, technical stuff and life problems and just um, plan A, B and C kind of go out the window um, sorry this episode has been maybe a bit of a, a bit of a mad ramble from unplanned topic to unplanned topic but apology not accepted Jay <laughs> next issue will be better I promise <laughs> well on that note I think that's a perfect place to wrap things up now um, thanks to um, yeah I just want to thanks for tuning into another episode of Wheel Life Problems. You can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. You can follow us on Twitter at Problems Wheel. You can follow me on social media at The Rickles. Uh, you can follow James at James Kyle. Not the the easiest, probably the easiest one to remember out of all of us. And of course, for our fallen heroes, you can follow Bill at Wheelchair Gamer, and that's Gamer spelled with a three. And you can follow Brandon at Accessible Gamer. Thanks again, and remember to keep it wheel.